Good evening, and you're very welcome to another episode, episode 11 of season three of the League of Ireland Women's podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie with myself, Brett Early, and of course, my trusty sidekick, Aaron Clark. Aaron, another week over, uh, another set of interesting results over the weekend. Uh, what have you been up to for the last seven days? Before hey, you tell me about dropping money on the World Cup. <laughs> Ah, uh, listen, that's that, that, that's for closer to the time. We'll talk about that when it gets closer. Um, no, I went to Shells and DLR the weekend. Um, got to see little bits of bits of other games. Kept an eye on on some of the other results. Um, had some contact with others. One thing I said last week on the show seemed to, seemed to come true is that uh, Wexford won't beat Bowes. Carson, when I say it happens that Bowes get the result against Wexford. Um, I was talking to I was talking to the Bowes camp and they, they were delighted with the performance and. Like it's been a it's been a good weekend. Some some really good results. We talked about last week. Um, Treaty United would would it be a bit of a a back baptism of fire coming coming up against the league leaders and like put in another great performance. I think Sligo Rovers getting the two 0 win away from home. It's it's interesting because on last week's show, I sort of said the Sligo and Bowls game was muck the week before. They both go out and have good wins the weekend after. I think um playing each other and they, they sort of realised they had to do better and it was a, it was a good result for them and yeah some, some really interesting results this weekend and you know some close games some maybe not so close games but it was, it was some some results maybe shocked us a bit yeah I'm just looking for that humble pie serving that you're due at the, this week after uh, your comments with both teams last week of course Treaty as you mentioned uh, probably the, the game we feared a little bit could have gone very one-sided based, I suppose, on, on how the club have been over the last 12 months or 15 months. And um, it really didn't go to form, or maybe it did go to form this season because Treaty held out almost uh, for what would have been a very impressive point against Piedmont. Moral victories, but I think that's a measure of how far Treaty have come in recent months that um, a 1-0 defeat to the league leaders would not be seen as a, as a positive result. They'd be disappointed with that. We're going to talk with their goalkeeper, uh, Anne Marie Uliak, very, very shortly. I hope I've got her surname right, um, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll chat to her. We'll get her to say it first uh, in a couple of minutes. Of course, the Canadian, uh, well travelled, uh, has been around the, the the countries at this stage. Bit of a time in uh, academic, the academic world, student academics, uh, sport, student sports in um, the US and Canada before stint in Portugal. And now she finds herself in Limerick. We'll be chatting to her in just a few moments. But before we do, um, that's probably the result of the weekend, despite the Bowes win and the Sligo Rovers victory, as good as they were and as important as they were for the teams. We talked about that last week, but um, the treaty result kind of rubber stamps how good they've been this season. The funny thing is, though, I'm even seeing people who are who are female fans who are saying that treaty treaty be disappointed and have to actually take something from the game. And when you see that sort of thing, I think that's the biggest highlight of it. Like when I watched them against Shelburne, yes, defensively they had to defend an awful lot. But they limited the shells, and they probably had a great chance to take it. You look at the DLR Waves game late on; they've they've a massive chance of a massive penalty call where they could have potentially had a shot on goal before the penalty as well. Galway they lose them one nil. Like the, yes, they're 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 the sort of games where last year they lose them three, four, five nil. Heads go down, things things fall apart. But I think a lot of they've some good experience in the team. Some younger players have got another year under their belt, a lot a little bit wiser. And I think it's it's great to see. Um, performances are, are brilliant at the minute and. That for me, the thing I want to see next is can they continue to turn them, draw them one nil losses into draws into wins, and the way they're going at the minute, the second half of the season is going to be very interesting because I think they're gonna they're gonna cause some upsets. I remember speaking to people in the Bowes camp after the first day of the season, and what was said to me when Bowes walked away with a one nil win was, 
sure you're going to take points off teams. That was said to me on the opening day of the season, and it hasn't been a, it hasn't been wrong. It's it's been it's been a really really good performances for them, and I think losing one of one of the P Mount or Daltaro Hanlon sent off for P Mount, like it just show it just shows the that the character in the treaty team to continue to push on, and like it's it makes it interesting when we speak to our, today's guest just to to see from the from from her point of view how things are within the camp because the, from the outside it just seems to be the confidence the character it's all building week in week out. Yeah, all very positive out of Limerick at the moment. And maybe that's a good place to bring our guest into the show. Um, Amri Uliak, uh, the Canadian player who's now with Treaty, of course. Uh, you're very, very welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on here. You're more than welcome. I suppose we spoke to your coach earlier in the season, Alvin, in one of the first episodes of the season. He was very positive. We kind of didn't know whether that was going to bear fruit through the season. But you, as we've just said, um, it has done in, in spades over the last few weeks. Some really impressive performances. Five points on the board. Um, you've got to be happy with how life has gone for you in, in the first nine games of the season. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I would say uh, the past few games have been really, really great. Ever since we got our first win of the season, since then we've really been on an upwards trend of not allowing too many goals and still getting a lot of good opportunities in the games to score. Uh, so yeah I'm really happy with that it's been amazing to see how sort of the turnaround has happened since we had those couple of rough games towards the start of the season but to be able to come back from that and just keep going on you're, an upward trend it's been really nice you've literally just taken what I was going to ask straight away um six nil loss to Shamrock Rovers eight nil loss to Athlone when people see that they probably thought oh no it's another treaty here we go again but I think the character to bounce back and to sort of pick up the win soon after the, the Athlone loss and then pick up the result against Cork. And I think realistically from, from someone looking in from the outside within the league, I think the DLR Waves result, the draw against them was probably the most impressive of, of the lot. Like how did you, how were them first few weeks when you suffered them two big losses to now, how do you sort of look back at the, at the camp and how much you have grown? Yeah, those were definitely, um, interesting weeks to have that sort of back to back I haven't really had that experience before of you know that sort of thing two in a row so I think all of us sort of took a step back and sort of thought a lot about what we wanted to get out of the season and how we were going to get there and what we needed to change sort of reevaluated what each of us could be doing differently and then came back together and brought out a better game the next weekend so I think it really was a good learning experience and I'd rather get that out of the way at the start of the season than late in the season. So, As a goalkeeper, and I'm a semi-paid-up member of the goalkeeper union from years and years ago, but you came to the club, obviously you've probably known very little about the league, about the club. Uh, you sign. Did you look at last year's results? What were your initial thoughts when the league table came up? Um, I, I guess you knew you were going to be busy this year. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know too much about Treaty before I made the decision to come over here, but obviously after I decided, I looked into them a little bit more. Um, and I saw, I didn't only see the results from last year, but I also saw that it's a really new club in the league. And that's exciting because that means there's not too many years of, you know, uh, bad habits or whatever you want to call it. It was just, you know, the one season that I was looking at from the year before. So I saw a lot of room for growth too. And as a goalkeeper, you always want to feel that what you're doing is contributing to your team's success. It can get a little bit, you know, they always say, um, 
what's the saying? They say that goalkeepers can't win a game, but a goalkeeper can lose a game. So you you want to be helping your team win a game at least. I think that's a that's a it's a very good it's a good. Then again, in this league, goalkeepers tend to win tend to tend to win games more often than not. We've seen some big performances from goalkeepers within the last couple of years. Why Ireland though? Why why treaty? Why Ireland? Uh, that's a great question. Well, I think I've talked about this a little. Well, maybe I talk about this in every interview I do. But in Canada, we don't have a professional league still on the women's side. We've never had a professional league. Um, we don't have a national amateur league. So the highest level of soccer are uh, summer leagues across Canada, sort of within each province. So that's only four months of the year of soccer, really. Um, and so if you want to progress to a higher level, you have to find a way to go abroad so that you can play in one of these sort of more year-round seasons and you can train more frequently. In terms of the, the standard, are you how does it compare to where you've been before? You mentioned, or I mentioned in the intro that you spent some time in the US system and the Canadian collegiate system and in Portugal. How do we compare to the Portuguese or the, the American collegiate system? You know, it's really interesting. I've been really, really impressed since coming to Ireland. After I signed with Treaty, I did look up uh, some games, not only from Treaty United, but from other teams last year. I wanted to see, you know, how the final was, what the top teams like, what's the sort of spread like throughout the league. Um, and I was really impressed by the improvements that I've seen all the teams make this year. I think it's a lot newer that this league has started professionalizing compared to places like the US or Portugal. So there's been just a crazy amount of growth between this year and previous seasons for all of the clubs. And I think that the top teams are definitely like very, very, very competitive in lots of other leagues in Europe, I would say. Did you think the gap was, when you looked at that, did you think the gap was bigger than it is now? Or what's your opinion of the gap between the top and the bottom now playing in the league compared to maybe when you looked at it? Well, I would say just the results speak for themselves. Even if you look at uh, the number of points that teams at the bottom of the table are taking compared to what they maybe took last year, I would say that that's a big indicator of how the gap is closing and just how narrow the scores can be between the top and bottom teams. How are you finding Limerick to, as a city to live in? I like it. It's really nice. I, I like being over here. I really like the weather of the area. We've gotten some nice sunny days over the past couple of weeks here. The rain was a bit hard at first, but it's no Canadian winter, so I'll take it. I, lo I love when you said that. I love when you said that. And when, the, when the summer... When the summer starts, when the summer starts and it starts raining, you might you might have a little slightly different mindset in terms of in terms of them. But in terms of, in terms of yourself, though, like you're surrounded by other people who've come in to the club as well from from abroad as well, that must be nice. Yeah, it definitely is nice. I mean, I feel like I I've connected really well with all of the teammates, all of the local girls and the girls from other parts of Ireland that are traveling in to play for the team. But it is nice to have. Um, other people that have come in have some maybe shared experiences so we can talk about our experiences that we've had previously like in the Canadian university system and we talk a lot actually about how we can use those to help the team or talk to individual girls on the team about hey you know if uh, if you want to step up your game like this is something that I've had told to me by a coach in the past this is something that we sort of all have experienced due to the way the system works at home so 
trying to use our experiences together to, you know, improve the team. And how did the whole group of you end up in Trady? Like, there's obviously a story behind how, like, is it seven or eight Canadian girls? I'm not quite sure. I've lost counts. Or 25, I don't know. How many girls do you have grown at this stage down in Limerick into the squad? Yeah, yeah. At the moment, we have um, the four of us here and then Kira McCormick, who is Irish-Canadian. And she was the link for us. Like I said, we don't have a league in Canada. And there's not... I mean, the way that I got abroad was the same way I went abroad for university. I was playing on a women's team and I saw that some of the older players had gone and done it. And I said, oh, that's an option. I didn't know you could get a soccer scholarship to the U.S. That's cool. I'll talk to them about how to do it. So it sort of works the same way professionally as you just uh, put out the word to people that you know that you're looking to go play abroad and you hope somebody has some sort of connections. So Kira McCormick has always been really great, really passionate about helping younger players get opportunities in any way that she can, giving them advice, mentoring them, any sort of thing like that. So uh, we just put out the word, the soccer community is small, and then we all ended up here on sort of our own separate paths. It's, it's, it's amazing though when you think, especially considering Kira hasn't played football in Ireland in, in years. She's been she's been in Canada for quite a while. And then all of a sudden you hear Kira's coming back and you're sort of like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Then you're sort of hearing one or two other names dropping and you're like, okay, and it just it just sort of built and stuff like that. But for you, but for you, like, did it take much convincing to come to Ireland? Because obviously you said you were playing in Portugal. Portugal weather is a lot nicer. Did it take much convincing to come over here? No, no, it really didn't. Um, I just had the the contract come to an end in Portugal, so then I went back. I played one more season in Quebec in Canada. They have sort of a limited eligibility system over there. For anyone that doesn't know how it works, you only have a set number of years to play university soccer. So I finished up there and then I was looking for sort of a different uh, opportunity. I have heard good things about the Irish League. So I was ready to jump on board right away pretty much. Of course, it's not the only place we find some Canadians in the league. There's a couple of shells. I think uh, Jamie Erickson is Canadian. Yeah, Jimmy Erickson is actually, yeah. she's from my uh, city. We played together in high school. We're the same age. So she missed the boat. <laughs> touch it, you rather than carry you in Galway at the moment. Um, but do you get a chance maybe to, to have chats with, with those kind of girls? Uh, Christy Gray, we had on the show last week as well. Michelle scored the winner down in Athlone a few weeks ago. Um, is there that kind of, um, I, I don't want to use the sorority thing but is that kind of a familial connection between you all when you play against each other not during the 90 minutes of course but maybe afterwards uh, just to kind of say hi and, and catch up yeah definitely I mean we try to say hi uh, to the other Canadians whenever we play against them we try to say hi after the game uh, I would say that Jamie's the only one that I've really gotten to speak to much but it's been really nice to you know see other people and compete against them. I personally really like competing against people that you know. I like intense rivalries. I like that close competition and it sort of becomes a bit more of a chess match, you know, especially I know Jamie's not a forward, but she does get up and try to score on goal a lot. So you're always trying to get in other people's heads as a goalkeeper, which is very fun. Moving on to the pitch a little bit. You've been busy this season at times. You've had a, a lot of action for a goalkeeper, especially considering, as we we mentioned, the two results here, the two results and the second and third week of the season, you've made some vital saves that have been key for your, key for your side this season. What's it been like for you on the field this year? 
Oh, it's been great. I definitely, I'll say I like to cheer for the underdog in everything. And I like to be a part of building things. So I do have some background with that is playing it with some teams where I can be a little bit busier. But I mean, I really like it. Like I said, you want to have an impact on the game. You want to be working with your teammates and not just stranded alone at the back. So it's fun. That's why I'm a goalkeeper. I like to dive around on the ground for fun. So well, when you're Canadian or Irish, the underdog is the, the general uh, position in most world sports, except maybe ice hockey. You're pretty handy at that. Um, do you play any other sports or have you played any other sports growing up? You mentioned the, the four month soccer season, but how did you keep yourself uh, active growing up in Canada? Was ice hockey an option? Did you play those kind of sports? Curling yeah, I didn't play ice hockey competitively, but like every Canadian kid, uh, of course, I got out on the rink or out on the lake in the winter uh, with a hockey stick. And then I, we play indoor boarded soccer where I'm from. So it's like a hockey arena, but the floor is concrete with a very thin layer of carpet over top. Uh, so it definitely toughens you up, I would say. I've been very impressed with the grass pitches here. Very, very nice. Um yeah, five-a-side indoor boarded soccer. And then I also, I played lots of the school sports growing up. I played volleyball, basketball, badminton, uh, track and field, all those sorts of things. Two-pronged question, because you mentioned other sports. Firstly, have you got to go and watch, being in Limerick, have you got to go and watch the Limerick curlers? And if so, what do you think of that sport? And secondly, what's it like though when you are playing on pitches that are, are very good? Because all the games are played in the men's stadiums. They're not played in, in bar females who, who they don't have the facilities, but they still have a, a decent pitch. What's that like? Yeah, it's been really nice. So for the first part of the question, no, I haven't gotten to watch Hurling in Ireland yet live, but I, I know there's a big game coming up this Sunday. There's the Tip County versus Limerick County, I believe, hurling. Uh, and we're planning to go watch that, all of the Canadians and maybe some of our Irish teammates. So I'm very excited for that. And I actually did have a very, very brief stint um, sort of during COVID playing Gaelic football in Edmonton. Um, some of the cities in Canada have Gaelic clubs. So I got a little bit of an introduction to that. It was very interesting. And I think there's a lot of uh, translatable skills between soccer goalkeeping and Gaelic. So if any Gaelic teams are recruiting, I am available for this. <laughs> See, you that would be at the right to say, because I know there's going to be a club in, in Limerick or Clare is going to go, uh, yeah. So kudos yeah. to those who watch the show. I know we have a couple of fans down there. Uh, Alvin, she definitely didn't just say that. I swear it's not on us at all. Uh, maybe in the off season, maybe during the World Cup. <laughs> There's a, there's a league cup coming up as well. You can play on that too. Yeah. But, actually, uh, actually, and just out, just in terms of, um, obviously when this show goes live out tonight, we will obviously have the draws for the league cup at that stage. So it's in, it's an interesting, it's only a couple of weeks, it's only a couple of weeks away now. I'm intrigued to see how it's going to work. What do you think of the idea of having to play teams from, up, from a different league up than Arthur and sort of the competition while the World Cup is on? Oh, I'm really, really excited for that. I think it's, great to play new teams from new places uh i know we only have the sort of two games against each team in our own league in league play this season the home and away um but i like having the variety of challenging yourself against new teams maybe seeing a little bit of a different style of football seeing how that goes i'm really excited and i haven't gotten the chance to go up to northern ireland yet so depending on i'm not quite sure how the travel's working for that cup 
but I'm really excited to play those teams. In terms of, I suppose, you're, you're obviously non-native here. Have you had a chance to see much of the country uh, or has it all just been football, football, football? No, we've actually gotten quite a chance to get around, um, especially in the early days when we first got here. But we try to definitely take some time during the days to go around. We've been up to uh, Galway, Dublin a few times. We went down to Cork, but we're always looking for recommendations. Lately, we've been trying to get out to the beach when we can. So there, I know there's a few good ones on the West Coast that we've been to. You know, we can give you a few recommendations, but we don't get the weather for it, so uh, maybe not. I hear I hear Leitrim is good this time of year. You're more than welcome anytime. Just get a canoe and come up to Shannon, and you'll be fine. We are based up in Leitrim, um, but uh, no, and I get every chance to promote it. I, I take it, but um, no, it's been great chatting to you. Uh, before we let you go, I suppose talk about the future. Is this a, a one season wonder? Do you plan on sticking around? What's the uh, the situation? Yeah, I'm not sure what the season holds yet, but I am really enjoying my time here with Trudy and seeing things move in such a positive direction has been really really exciting so I hope we can continue that at least for this season and then see where things go from there any personal goals by the end of the year on the, on the pitch only one clean sheet we kind of half joked about it off air before the show but um it's been an impressive performance take those two games that we talked about out of it um it's almost level goal scored versus goals against which is kind of unheard of for Treaty over the last two or three years. So um, is, is there an ambition there to keep the, the, the goal count down half of last year maybe or, or clean sheets? Where, what's your thinking on it? Always, always clean sheets. The goal's always clean sheets. Uh, I would love nothing more than to start turning some of these one nothing losses into at least 0-0 zero, zero draws. And then maybe we can um, work on our the other side of the ball as well a bit, start putting in some goals get some wins. That's the plan. It's a good plan, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, listen, Anne-Marie, uh, we leave it there for the evening. Thanks so much for joining us. I know you're you're actually going to record this earlier because you're training tonight when this actually goes out. So thanks for giving up your afternoon to have a chat with us. And the very best look at the weekend, another tough one. Um, but uh, they don't get any tougher, I suppose, in, in this league. And then uh, you've been well able to deal with whatever's been thrown at you this year. So the best look for, for this and the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on here. Anne-Marie Uliak there, who joined us uh, earlier in the day. Um, Aaron, like, we've had her on for ages. We didn't even talk about the game this weekend. We didn't talk about getting picked team of the week. We didn't get talked about a couple of mentions she's got on social media from the league in recent days. It's uh, And yet, could have kept talking about it for another 20 minutes or half hour. Um, the, the influx of this foreign talent into the league really is beginning to to raise the level across the board, isn't it? The biggest thing for me, though, briefly on it, is that it's not just, how would you say, poor players or things like that coming in. There's some really, really good players that have come into the league as well. I think that's the, the biggest thing. And like, because in previous season, we've maybe seen one or two come in who haven't been great. But like, I think they've, she's added an awful lot to that 3D team. You look at around, around the league, um, Maggie Pierce for Shelburne, absolutely smashing centre back play right back play in midfield there's so many different players that have added a lot coming from 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 different countries and i think it's important for the league because it's it's a it needs to strike a fine balance between players coming in and, and players progressing through and it gives that option for clubs to to look further afield that maybe they didn't have before where it comes to things like brexit and stuff like that so it's good it can, it's, it's it's definitely adding an awful lot of value and 
you can see that even in, in Treaty in particular with performances because the, the players that have come in have had it so much alongside the, the young, inexperienced players who are now stepping up as well and really making Albert Heuss's side really competitive in a lot of games. Before we talk about the, the fixtures last weekend and the results and some of the big big shocks that we saw, we did touch on the top of the show, but uh, talking about influx of players to the league, it's that kind of time of year. The college season is breaking up in the States. The end of the season in the UK, a couple of players getting released. We talk about maybe about the Scottish football, a couple of Irish interest um, in the, the final day of the season on Sunday where any of three teams Three Glasgow sides, Glasgow City, Celtic and Rangers, all in action. And uh, it's got three possible outcomes with all three of them potentially winning the league on Sunday. It's a real humdinger. Uh, it is the Irish uh, Women's National League podcast. We won't spend too much on it, but there is a bit of Irish interest in that. But I'm more interested in chatting to you maybe briefly about some of the players that we might potentially see back in the league. A couple of players maybe coming to the end of contracts, returning from university in the States over the summer. We saw Rebecca Cook came back last year. Bambi did really, really well at Bowes. Uh, Amanda McQuillan, I believe, on her way home. Uh, will she feature with Shells? Will she even sign for Shells? She was announced in her squad this season. Yeah, look, there's loads. Um, Amanda's the obvious one. Everyone's hearing that Amanda's coming back this week. And she's got, will she potentially go straight into the Shell squad? Yes, but I'd, I'd say so. Like, young Kay Keane is, is being deputising for, for on, on the, the understudy for Courtney Maguire. So they'll definitely look to add a bit of competition. You're right. Eleanor Ryan Doyle's contract has come to an end at Birmingham. Will she come back? Will P- could P-Man pick her up? Be a massive addition. Look at the goal she scored before she she went previously. And like you've also got to you've also got to look. There's a couple of other players who are in America whose whose college course have also come to an end. Like Erica Turner, who's played who's played in goal for for DLO Waves and UCD Waves previously. She's another one. There's a couple of youngsters. Evan Ferguson's. Sister has also um, finished college in America by the looks of things. So we don't, you, you could see an influx. Cork may try to grab one or two in as well just to help strengthen them for, for the moment. But I don't, I don't know. I don't. We had this conversation last year and the more I reflect on it, the more I look back. I don't really like when players come back into the league that much for, for six weeks or something like that. Yes, Bambi had a great success with Bowles last year and we've seen one or two others, but then they just disappear again and it sort of leaves the team on the leaves the team back where they were and it's sort of it's difficult whereas like with the international players who've come in at the minute like they're there for the year the likes of the Amarillo Lax the, you see them sort of players and they're there for the year and they're enjoying life in Ireland whereas some of the others coming back for maybe a little pit stop is yeah it's it's maybe something that for the league to grow we probably need to be without but the way college system works over there they're not signed to a club so clubs take advantage of that because they can sign before the window I think this transfer window coming up, we might see a little bit of movement even between clubs this year. And it's it's one that I think the, the, the clubs, the likes of your Bowles, maybe your Athlones, like we did see, you touched on it last week, definitely with the two players from Athlone who we'd seen on social media coming in, coming into Athlone from, from America. So like clubs are, are, are looking at that sort of avenue to see who they can bring in. And when it comes to things like finances, it's, it's a difficult one because you want to strike the balance. But... I think clubs might need to spend a little bit more if they want to bring in a bit of quality in the second half of the season. You talked about inter-club transfers maybe this summer. Are we then looking maybe at at the professional era, the first transfer window effectively of that era um, in terms of maybe girls who move to clubs, haven't seen the game time they might have expected, might now look at other options? Or or who, where do you see the movement happening? The thing is, Brefni, and... Um, it's going to throw back to this whole professional situation and this whole professional. How many players are actually on professional contracts? I'd say not many at all. 
a lot of them are probably still on expense are on are on amateur contracts with expenses and the expenses is probably a little, more, a little bit more than maybe some might have got last year others others are probably on completely amateur contracts as well so like there's only going to be a limited players that will really fall into that professional that professional banner and it'll be interesting when the first one that is signed on a professional moves to how what sort of if the if the fees what how does it work because it's it's a difficult one in that situation but I don't think there's that many players that are actually under professional contract I'd love to know the exact numbers I'd say it's less than less than ten that are probably in professional contracts everyone else is under expenses and stuff like that which still it gives them the opportunity to move clubs and. I wouldn't be surprised. Like you, this, this clubs who are definitely going to need the strength, and like you could see DLR trying to add a couple in. They've had a, had some injuries. The likes of Bowes, will they look to get in one or two more, but to help them bridge that gap even further? Like Shells, Jesse Stapleton. We all know the the biggest kept secret that she's gone in the summer. So they're going to need to they're going to need to potentially bring in more as well. And like you're right, players. Some players have gone to clubs where they haven't necessarily seen the game time they would have liked. And, are they going to be happy to sit there and just say, oh, I'm playing with this club? Or will they actually finally bite the bullet and be like, no, I need to play regularly? And I think we will see more of that as the league continues to become more fully fully professional and, and things like that. So it's one of them windows that it's only open for a month, but there could be a bit of action in it. Don't rule out any more international arrivals as well over the close sea or the, the mid-season break. In terms of a couple of other things we want to talk about, let's start with the fixtures from last weekend. We're going to talk plenty about the new All-Ireland Cup. We'll take a look at the new rules or the international window for the uh, FIFA World Cup as well because that's going to affect Irish players uh, getting released from their clubs over the next few weeks, those that are in consideration for Vera Power squad. But looking back towards last weekend, of course, five games, as always, in the league. Uh, the fixtures and results uh, underneath us here on the screen. But uh, we might start in, in alphabetical order. That's Shamrock Rovers game against that lone town. Um, fairly straightforward victory in the end for Shamrock Rovers. That lone put up a bit of a fight, but uh, Leo Leary's goal, fairly well taken, but you probably have to say reasonably poor defending from Athlone's point of view rather than a, a wonder strike from O'Leary. She took the goal very well, but how did she find herself in that much space across the other side? It was it was good play from Shamrock Rovers to pick her out as well. But for them, the, the train just continues to march on. This was another one that we said, they're going down to play Athlone on the Astro for the first time. How are they going to get on with it? Come away with another, it's a 1-0 victory, but it's another victory for that, for, for Collie O'Neill's side. And, like it moves them up the second, moves them up the second place. I think for them, it's it's just about ticking off them boxes week in week out. For Athlone, it's sort of a bit of a barren run with the fact that they've they've now lost the team out to Shamrock Rovers and in, in successive weeks at home, which probably Tommy you won't be best pleased about. And they've a, with the with the big TV game this week, it's sort of, I think it'll be easy enough for them to motivate the players. But the result the weekend, if they don't get a result this weekend, they could see themselves cut cut eight points adrift of, of fifth place, which would be massive considering they only have they only have ten games left. From a Shamrock Rovers viewpoint, like Leo Leary's, she's she's built into the season as as it's gone on further and further, and I think for for them, they they'd be just happy to see out the next couple of weeks. I think I think Rovers is probably one of the sides we may see strengthen a little bit more during the world during the window as well, because they may look to add one or two more players into the middle of the park, but. It's a good result for Shamrock Rovers, for Tommy Ewan at Lone. It's probably it's a disappointing result. Yeah, they've really struggled in patches this year down at Lone. But they've been on the wrong side of very unlucky uh, clashes as well. I know Shell's left it late to beat them 1-0 against Shamrock Rovers. They're there, thereabouts, but just can't seem to turn those tight games into draws and into wins. 
remains to be seen how it goes. But currently nine points off the top of the table with 11 games left in the competition. We'll take a look at the league table later on. Actually, but, just, uh, just on that, I actually missed that up. It was actually Shells, Shells and Shamrock Rovers, not Pima and Shamrock Rovers, who had beat them in the last two weeks. Yeah, in terms of, uh, let's take a look at Talca Park as the next game. I watched this game on Saturday afternoon. Shells, uh, DLR always bring a, a, a fairly resolute performance and they did well in, in patches, but Gemma Quinn, two goals for her. Um, Shells, fairly basic. No King, again, not involved because of a, an extended suspension. Uh, your thoughts on, on how things are going shells at the moment. They haven't had the best starts to the season. We're nearly at the halfway point. They're only three points behind. They're not out of this by any stretch of the imagination. I'll, I'll go to the, I'll go on to the Noel King one first. Uh, he arrived about 15 minutes before kickoff and literally stood over the far side up on the up on the steps and sort of sat, sat there for the entire game watching. I think you could see at times he was probably a little bit frustrated because he was moving up and down um over the far over the far side, just trying to get just you know couldn't sit sit easy. But in terms of shells, goal disallowed the goal disallowed early on, on for offside, and you you sort of thought okay if they'd scored that they'd, they'd probably run it. Like it, it come from probably ball a lovely ball from Noel Murray the first goal. Gemma Quinn's touch was probably a, bit, a little bit heavy, but she does well to get get it in in the end. It looked like someone might have run away from her, her for her first goal of the season, and then Gemma's a nice finish in the second one. Like speaking to Graham after the game, Graham sort of said it was it was one of these that. They just got the, a couple of mistakes with, with a young team, and and you're getting punished, and you sort of can't do that at, at this level. I think DLR have the to learn the hard way. If you look at the last four results, it's three losses and a draw against the draw against Treaty. So it's been extremely difficult for them. Joy Ralph has been out. They've been missing players as well, and they just have they've struggled to score. They've struggled to score goals in them four games too, and that's probably been the, the most disappointing thing from a Shelburne point of view, though. They're plodding along without doing anything exceptional. That's the best way to put it. Like you look at the result against Wexford, the result against Wexford. You look at the some of the other performances. Like the Piedmont second half was brilliant, but they have they've only shown that in a glimpse, the odd time here and there. It sort of reminds you when you watch Shelburne that if Shelburne get to it, get get one 0 up in a game, come 60, 65 minutes, it's nearly as though they become a bit nervous, and it's probably something we've been used to seeing for the last couple of years. And they sort of struggled to to, to shake that shackle off a little bit. And, like Ivan Dana, she done what she had to do at times, but you were sort of expecting with the DLR Waves team that that Shelburne probably would have won a three, four, five nil, but they just didn't just didn't seem to be able to to, to really put the squeeze on 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 DLR, and it's probably from an old King point of view, it's probably it's probably one of them that he he's just happy to get he's just happy so he got the win, but like they need to build a bit of momentum, especially with that P Mount game Saturday week because all eyes are really going to be on that as the last game before for the window and. Like at the moment, you'd have to say Shell's level is probably not where they want it to be, but they're still managing to pick up points in a lot of these games. Your thoughts on the extension of the suspension for Noel King? I happened to be in that loan, and uh, Noel was in, I suppose, what I understand, what I, I witnessed anyway, I was chatting to him about it on the day, so I'm not telling tales behind his back, but um, he was in a, he was on the pitch in the aftermath of the game, which technically is against the rules. It's a breach. He was called over by the uh, assessor and uh, I think he was pretty much told he was going to be reported in that conversation I know it got a little bit heated towards the end uh, just more of an upset more than any uh, clash but it was you could see the frustration he claimed he didn't know the rules but I don't know if that was uh, 100% the honest truth because I was aware of the rules and my coaching career is an awful lot shorter than Noel's it's it's inexcusable and that's being honest with you there's no way I even defending it because 
he's managed international teams. He's managed in the in the, in the men's league. He's managed, you know, he's managed quite a lot. There's no excuses, unfortunately, for from that situation. He messed up. That's the best way of putting it. He messed up, and now he will miss the P Mount game as well because of the additional additional ban. And with Pearl Slattery injured, you know, you're you're losing a vocal figure on the touchline and on the pitch as well. So you'll have to take the punishment. You'll have to you'll have to to learn from it. For it's a mistake from on on Noel's behalf, and that he's paying the consequences now. Unfortunately, yeah, I have just uh, googled the actual rules, but as far as I understand that, I think it's an hour before kickoff, oh, the whole way through the game, and half an hour after. The, the final whistle it may be longer than that but i think it's an hour after i think it might be an hour yeah. after and it might be an hour and a half before the game as well i know we we had an issue in the champions league back in the day where a player was sent off in the first game and then couldn't even be in the dressing room literally had to stand, sit in the stand on her own in croatia with nobody near her for the best part of three hours um very very hard on her but that's just the rules you're not allowed near the team you're not allowed to be involved um, and so, uh, unfortunately, Noah will serve an extra two games for that, which it's silly, but these things, you kind of have to follow the rules in that situation. Um, that shells a couple of other results that have left them the best to last. Let's let's chat a little bit, because we didn't really talk to Anne-Marie about it when we had her on the show, but let's talk about Treaty. Treaty and Pima, we called this last week, and I think we said it could go one of two ways. Um, it was either going to be really tight or it was going to be a cakewalk for Piemont and to be fair Treaty really showed up phenomenal performance really unlucky to concede uh, late on to uh, to lose that but of course we did take a quick look before we came on to chat about the, the, the games the sending off in the first half was probably key to the whole situation Tara Hanlon dismissed for a professional foul um, last defender uh, on the Treaty player who was clean through and uh, we've had a look at it. We're kind of not really sure what we saw, though, because I've seen them given, I've seen them not even foul. Did she make contact? Did she make a heavy enough contact to warrant a free? I don't know. Jury's out for me. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think we're both sort of looking. Although although from the video it looks as though like Nevery Burke stops, but because the ball is coming to her because she won because the player fell. But if if not, I would expect Nevery Burke to come and actually take prevent that from being a Pravina. A clear and obvious goal scoring opportunity, but from a from a, a female point of view, the fact that she's only been given an autom- the automatic one match ban, there's been nothing else added to it. I think that sort of says that what it was one of them that it was probably if it was probably if he you've seen them given. I think the referee's probably he's a split second call to make, so you can't really put a judgment and say he shouldn't have done that or should have, like he's one of them. It's a split wow. second call. I well, think we watched, it, we watched it maybe six seven times in slow motion here. And we couldn't make a decision. So yeah. in the heat of the moment, split second decision, as you say, she is the last player. I think the touch is heavy. And if you were really analytical on it, the first touch, she loses possession. There's a slight touch from the defender. It looks to be kind of a, a shoulder to shoulder. It's not a foul by any means, in my opinion. But I definitely have seen them given given the circumstances. So can you complain about a red card? No, you can complain, but it'll fall on deaf ears. I think the only thing I will say, the only thing I will say on it, and it's probably a bit of inexperience from Tara, is because Tara is extremely quick. She could have just stood her ground, stood the ground, and and, and ushered her out, to the, ushered her out a little bit, because Tara is very, very quick and very. She's a very nimble defender. So, like, 
it was one of them, but she made a split second decision. Minimal, yes, there's, a, there's minimal contact. Is there enough to go down? Some people would say yes, some people would say no. But I just think a little bit of an experience there, especially knowing how quick Tara is. Tara be one of the quickest in the, in the league, and the touch is being heavy. So the, the forward has given her an opportunity to get herself back in there. And she made the referee have to make a decision. And the referee made the split second decision. But just in terms of that, though, we we did. Like it's funny, like we were even talking when we we're, when we're planning guests and stuff for the league. Like if it goes the wrong way, it's it's a difficult one. And I'm glad it didn't because for the league, it's 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 really important that we don't see this. Like the first two, the two week two and week three of the season, as Amber said to us earlier, they took the, That's when they took the big losses. And since that, they only every loss that they've had, they've only lost by one goal. They've lost to Shelburne by one. They've lost to, to Galway by one. They've lost to to Piedmont now by one goal. Last year we'd be saying one nil, a one nil loss, and this is is a is a moral victory. Right now we're talking about Pima, uh, we're talking about Treaty being disappointed because they concede in the eighty fifth minute. Like, and I think that's that's testament to the character of the players, the squad, the squad, the management, because they've come an awful lot way, a long way, and hopefully now they'll start picking up a couple of results as they as they start to get a couple of games that now they can potentially be competitive in and. I'm gonna throw a spanner into the work, and like when we talk about the fixtures this week, it's it's probably the perfect time for them to maybe even play a Wexford you for example, and like they're due a scalp against against one of the big teams, and will it come this year? It could well come this year. It could well come this weekend, and I'm I'm not gonna write treat you off anymore when it comes to even playing against the bigger teams, and I think that's that's a compliment to the work they've done. Well, speaking about Wexford Utes and maybe having a bit of a rough patch, uh, Bows were in town last week. I expected Wexford to win this game. I know you kind of hemmed and hawed about it last week on the show, but uh, Bose really did uh, open up Wexford fairly well. And, and 3-0, all in the last 20 minutes, it has to be said. It was tight right up until the end, but uh, a fantastic 0-0, 1-2, and a little shift to the back post to open the score. And, and then, I suppose, just a couple of uh, I suppose schoolgirl errors really led to the, the other goals for Wexford. And it's going to be... a for both, should I say, and it's going to be a long season for Wexford now, 10 points off the top of the table. They do have 12 games to play. It's a tall order to pull back in, effectively five teams ahead of them that have set the pace. Yeah, and I, th- I think from a, from a Bowes point of view, as you say, it was a lovely finish from Sarah, but the second goal, Erica Burke has no right to get that ball across the box. That's the biggest thing, and the fact she managed to get it across and it's a it's a nice tap in and by by me and then the third the third goal is sort of it's it's a it's a bit I say Neil Pryor and the third goal is me and and it's a bit of a how would you say the mix up in the defence it's it's the sort of things you can see when when Wexford don't have a lot of confidence that you can see the confidence is down a little bit there the touches the touches heavy back to to Nicholas to Nicholas Sinner and sort of puts her under a lot of pressure but it was taken the finish was taken well in the end for both I think from a Bose point of view it's probably about time they've got the shackles off because as as mentioned earlier in the show like when they played Sligo the week before the game was quite a poor it was a really really poor game it was one of the poorest I've watched in a while neither team could get anything going and then all of a sudden they come out last 20 minutes and sort of in a game they'd normally you'd see nil all that late stage they might concede one or two but they actually went the other way and I think that's probably the most impressive thing from a Bose point of view and like they're one of the unformed teams. I think they've won four out of the last five games as well, which is which says which says a lot as well for for where they are at the minute. And it's 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 testament. They're four points off the top. Do I do I expect that they'll be four points off the top at the end of the season? Absolutely not. But I think they can certainly build on that, and they can certainly push on and and really get their highest finish that they've ever gotten this league. 
Yeah, final game of the season of the weekend last weekend was a, a phenomenal one for everyone up in the northwest. Sligo Rovers had been pointless going into the weekend's action, and uh, they went down and upset the form guide and took all three points back up the road from Cork. Two 0 two goals from Casey Howe. Um, great opportunism, great runs, great, reasonable finish. Probably didn't have a whole pile to do with the first one. Good finish from the second, but you have to question maybe some of the defending and and maybe some of the goalkeeping on the two goals. They were they were extremely poor goals for for Cork to concede, and like Cork would have been fancying that having put up a good performance against against Pima to just narrowly lose the Pima, and then this sort of happens. But I think you, you can see from a Cork point of view. The second half against Shamrock Rovers the week before pre- really really hurt them going in nil all at half time and then they were sort of, they were sort of cut apart in the second half and you could see they didn't really want to allow Casey in behind they tried to play that sort of line and, and hope to catch her offside but it's just it's 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 a good run from a good from a from a good forward and the, the thing is from a Casey point of view for the fact that she's been struggling they've been struggling for goals from the Sligo slide and. She she still had the confidence to time that to time the two runs perfectly because I think the runs is what the runs is what makes the goal. Yeah, the finishes they're nice enough finishes, but probably could could do better in terms of goalkeeping. But I think Casey the way Casey makes the runs, she deserves that credit. And I think from a Sligo Rovers point of view, we talked last week the loser of this game potentially gets cut up, gets cut away. Sligo now have the opportunity to look up a little bit and sort of see can they they push for a couple of a couple of more results. Whereas from a Cork City point of view, you're you're sort of asking the question. Where is the next result going to come from? And yeah, I'm not sure where list. that is. Uh, like realistically, looking at the fixture list, the trip to Sligo, the trip or the home home to Treaty, I think it is, um, in the second half of the season. Um, realistically, of where you would expect them to maybe be competitive, but uh, can you see them winning either of those? Possibly but not. The thing, well, preferably the thing is, and and this is this is this is on this is on tre- this is credit to Treaty rather than a knock on Cork. Look how far Treaty have come even since that that draw against them. Yes, like if you look at the Treaty results, they'd lost they'd lost the game to Shamrock Rovers, and then the very next game they they, they lose that loan. So that's fourteen goals they conceded in two games. Then all of a sudden they come out and beat come out and beat Sligo, and then they get the draw against Cork. But since then, yes, they haven't got necessarily got the results they want, but they've kicked on massively, and I, I would say they're probably a good bit ahead of where Cork are at the minute. And that's concerning because all the all the things coming out of the core camp was the, a good preseason under Danny Murphy. They've they've come on. They've they've made massive improvements. They brought back the likes of Jesse Mendez, Alex Mendez, uh, Eric Manfredi coming in as well. But just they've lacked something. And like yes, we're seeing the likes of Eve Mangan being praised for some of the things she's doing. But it's hard really when it when a team has is really is struggling to, that when a player stands out, the rest of them aren't really sort of giving her as much assistance as, as she probably needs at this stage. And like right now, it's it's probably difficult to say that they even beat they beat Treaty or they beat Slug on the second half of the season unless something changes. Yeah, absolutely. It's a interesting time ahead times ahead on Lee side to see how that uh, pans out for Cork over the coming weeks. Let's take a quick look at the league table as we take a look uh, on the website. I just turn off the results at the bottom there you see Cork City unfortunately for them. And uh, now drop to the bottom of the table, one point from their nine games. Piemont still on top, 22 points for them. Shamrock Rovers on 21 and Shells and Galway both on 19. Obviously Galway not in action last weekend. Bohemians, their win pushes them up to within four points of the top of the table. They're on 18 points at Lone, Wexford, and then a little gap back towards DLR before Treaty and Sligo come into play. And the question looking at that league table for me really is, 
at the bottom of the table, Treaty and Cork, where are they going to find the goals? Three goals each after nine games. It doesn't all go well for uh, their chances of, uh, of of really pushing up the table at all, Aaron. For, tre- for Treaty, defensively, they've been brilliant, but you're right, going forward, they, they necessarily... Like the chance that went for the red card with Tara Holland, I think the first touch, if the first touch is there, the, she's in and she's in and has a, a good opportunity and goal. You look at the deal or what same had a chance against the or waves, albeit that the, before the even penalty show and against Shelburne as well, they had a chance laid on where through one on one on goal and just don't take that chance. And I think that's probably for them where they're lacking that little bit of quality up the second half, half the pitch at the minute. And they're sort of, if they can find that stride, they could score some goals. But, they need to find that because otherwise they'll be relying on defence and defence and goalkeeper to potentially get a couple of draws. Getting wins at the moment, the only wins that you can probably see at the minute is when they play against the teams in and around them. From a court point of view, goals are really going to be hard to come. Goals are really going to be hard to come by. They got a goal against Bellows, they got a goal against Piedmont, but and a lot of games they don't look like scoring, scoring many goals and the chances they're creating. The set play is probably their best opportunity at scoring and. It's 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 a, it's a tough one. Like it's it's a very valid question for you to even ask. And my honest answer is, I can't really tell you where the goals are going to come from for Cork. Well, where the goals are coming from elsewhere in the league is all available on our website. Here's the top scorers chart on the league at the moment. Kate Mooney, her winner against uh, Treaty, uh, it puts her top. We off. didn't even. We didn't even talk about the finish from Kate Mooney. Like, it um, wasn't even so much the finish, which was reasonably routine. It's the pass into her, the inch-perfect pass from Karen Duggan, who herself does sit on this table at the bottom there, just above Sarah Rowe and Leo Leary. The only other so- players I make it who actually got on the score sheet this week um, in that top uh, section of the table as we move down a little bit. Uh, a couple of other players in there. Casey Howe, her se- second and third goals of the season so far. Mia Dodd also on the score sheet. Uh, I think that's it. Erica Burke, of course, got one too. I'm not sure why Jeremy McGuinness is there on the Sligo Rovers top. That's a, a pre, that's a misprint. We'll have to change that and get her in a, a Galway crest. But that's where we are with the league table at the moment. Uh, moving forward to the weekend, we'll take a quick look at the action um, this weekend. Actually, before we do, let's talk about a couple of things we wanted to chat about uh, when we spoke off air. And that is, of course, the Scottish final uh, day of the season. It's Sunday afternoon. We have Irish interest. Uh, at both Celtic and at Glasgow City. Uh, your thoughts, and of course, even Celtic play Hearts and Kira Grant is at Hearts as well. So uh, three of the four teams in, that we'll be focusing on on Sunday afternoon have Irish interest. Um, your thoughts on where the, the table's going to, or how the, the league is going to go. Are Celtic, even though they're in third place, possibly favourites to uh, to get this? I'd say, I'd say considering, considering if Glasgow and Rangers draw, yeah, I'd say absolutely, because Celtic are one goal behind Rangers, but they play hard so you'd expect them to score a couple and beat them like it's mad and you look at the goal differences over there and I think it's sort of the thing that I, when I reflect and I, and I look at their league I'm sort of glad we don't have that sort of goal differences and stuff like that but from an Irish interest obviously Claire O'Reilly in her first season with Celtic for, for, for her being for her it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be a massive one Emily Whelan and, and Claire Walsh have obviously been involved in, uh, well um, Claire has been involved in some success with Glasgow and winning the league previously so like it's great to see Irish interest, Irish interest in 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 it. But to be honest with you, if it asked me who's going to win at the minute, I couldn't actually tell you. But you know, the only thing I'm hoping is that is it's probably not going to happen now. But well, with Emily Whelan, considering she's had quite a decent season, maybe after the World Cup, she might find herself back in and around the Ireland reckoning because I think she's had a good season in Scotland this year. And 
scored some goals as well. And Claire Walsh is ever consistent at the back for for Glasgow, and she's she's another one doesn't really get Irish chances. But it's it's one of them sort of things that you'd be watching on. It reminds you of a couple of years ago of the the men's Premier Division when three or four teams could have went down, and all of a sudden you're you're flip flopping, and it could change multiple times throughout the throughout the the, the ninety minutes. But it's 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 a it's great, it's exciting for that league, and hopefully we have a similar finish where we've multiple teams like last year where we three teams gone, four teams gone down to the second last weekend of the season. You know, it's it's great for women's football that more and more leagues are getting more competitive. Absolutely, and uh, one of the bit of news that broke today was the draw for the Avonair Sports All Ireland Cup. Of course, it's a multi-territorial. Um, competition 16 teams across both leagues north and south of the border all 11 league of ireland sides and five from the danska bank northern ireland football league so uh, we can see the draw there uh, for me is it, it's is all it bank or is it got i think i might have gone to, i think i might have gone to sports director seeing the FAI tweet earlier oh, sponsors up there change constantly yeah, but uh, looking at Group B, uh, there's no change there. Peanut and Sharon Grovers, uh, they like each other's company, but they're going to be playing each other again in this competition alongside Glentorn and Wexford. That, to me, is the group to watch. The top team only goes through to the semi-finals. So um, once you lose, you're out of this competition, effectively. I, listen, I think Group A is also a really difficult group as well because with Athlone, with Athlone Galway, Linfield have been quite strong up north in recent years. But yeah, Group B is the group of deaths. Um the only thing for the listeners is that we do not have fixture venues who who many who's going to play at home or, or if there's going to be neutral neutral games that will obviously come soon because of the fact that this competition kicks off in a couple of weeks. But like if you're looking at from a bowls point of view or you're looking you're looking from a bowls point of view, there's an opportunity to make potentially make a semi final even even in the other group in, in in the last group you probably have to say treaty of a good chance of they make the semi final or DLR. Like it's 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 a mad it's a mad one. It's it's one of them that it's. It's a competition that we'll probably see how it develops this year. It's in there because of the World Cup gap. But I don't know what the interest will be in terms of media, in terms of spectators. The final is obviously going to be on, on the 16th of July, four days before the, the World Cup starts. So it's played off in quite a quick succession, five five weekends in a row. I don't, I don't know what to make of it just yet, Breffney. Um, good to see they have a sponsor though for it. That's the main thing, I think. Yeah, well, mid-July is always a fairly contentious uh, time of year uh, for cross-border relations. So it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out, where the final will be played, uh, if there's a north-south divide in that. I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the standard of the Northern Ireland teams, though. I'm excited to see what Linfield bring to the table. But there's a couple of other teams I've seen over the years. I saw the Cliftonville a couple of years back, and they're, they're decent. Um, so we have to see how they are this season and, and how competitive they will be against the League of Ireland sides. But plenty to talk about in the coming maybe six or eight weeks as that yeah, competition kind of gets up and running and completed all before that World Cup break. And uh, the final thing just before we get into the fixtures, and we are running out of time, so I want to move quickly, but is the uh, the international window. There's a bit of talk about this during the week about when players will be released. There seems to come to a consensus on that. What can you tell us about uh when players are likely to be available for their yeah, it's, it was a bit of it was a bit of a dodgy one because initially they wanted players to be released just ten days beforehand, which did, for a World Cup it's not really great. So what they're what they're saying now is that players can be released four weeks in advance of the tournament. So roughly between the twenty uh, the twenty ninth the twenty third and the twenty ninth is when they they'll potentially be released. They can potentially be released earlier if they don't have club games, but if they've got club games, obviously they've got to 
facilitate them commitments that sort of is your your players based in America more than anything from from an Ireland point of view we don't really know what sort of lineup it means that Ireland will have for the Zambia game because the Zambia game is the 22nd of the 22nd of June does that mean that game is is mainly national league players because if you look at the likes of an Arsenal Arsenal have had a lot of players in the WSL who've been injured this season and maybe they they'll be sort of like hold on a minute with the Katie McCabe situation so players could be coming into camp just off the back of maybe a, 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 probably a week back with their club or something like that. So we don't really know how it's going to work yet from an Ireland point of view. We're sort of still waiting to hear official confirmation. I don't think the Zambia game will be in trouble. I think it will potentially be a slightly different Ireland Ireland team, but it could be an opportunity for some more home-based players to maybe go out and stake a claim against a side who are also qualified for the World Cup. So it's good in the sense that She'll have her 23 for the French game, which is obviously played the day before the squad is announced, but probably disrupts preparations a little bit from an Ireland point of view, considering they were prob- they were looking at, at getting players in early in June rather than late June. Absolutely. Looking to the weekend and the final act of the show is the preview of the weekend. We've got two minutes to run through this really quickly. Uh, Piedmont United, they host Galway, Sligo Rovers. Uh, will entertain Shelburne at the showgrounds on 5pm. Wexford Youth travel to Marcus Field to play a treaty, uh, while Shamrock Rovers and DLR Waves will do battle in Talla Stadium at Lone Town, the visitors at Daily Mount. That game live on TG Car as well. So uh, plenty to keep focus over the weekend. Where are you going to head for? What's your plans? No game this weekend for me, unfortunately. Um, if there was a 2 o'clock game in Dublin, I probably would have done it, but I am... Um... I'm off to see our former Ireland international Katie Taylor in action at the weekend, so that's what's taken my, my fancy. But I will be keeping an eye on Piedmont Galway in particular because that's going to be a spicy, spicy affair. Galway, Galway, Galway WFC tended to like getting some results up in Piedmont, so if Galway United can do that and Phil Trill so it can get a win there, we're sort of really talking about them about how far they can go. I think that's what probably the game of the weekend. You'd expect Shamrock Rovers to beat DLR. Foes not alone. If Foes turn up the way they turned up last week, they should get a result. Sligo, the last time they won at home was against Shells. I don't think that I don't think the conundrum will fall twice. I think it will be a it will be a win for 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 Shelburne, and I think Treaty will put up another good performance at home against Wexford. Is it enough to get something out of the game? I don't know, but I think they will put up a good performance. Yeah, Sligo Rovers with their first win, and more importantly, I'd imagine the first clean sheet of the season last weekend. Uh, they're a bit of a confidence team. They went on a bit of a run when they won a couple of games last year. Shells do know what it's like to lose in the showground, so we'll see how that pans out. That's where I'm going to be on Saturday afternoons slash evening. So it's going to be a, a good day for everybody think, in the league, and we we'll see who's top of the table at the end of the day. Galway United, of course, you're going to give James Callahan flashbacks to the final day of the season in 2021 um, Aaron that's it for the week that's all we have time for thank you so much for joining me to Anne-Marie Uliak apologies if I butchered your name uh, thank you for joining us we really enjoyed the chat and uh, delighted to have players of that calibre and that quality uh, joining the teams in the league and uh, watching the, the rising tide carrying all ships uh, from the bottom of the table the whole way up to the top Aaron um, any other thoughts or wis- words of wisdom you have booked your holidays you're going to the World Cup I've booked the holidays, I've booked the hotels, everything's booked, all the flights are booked. It's just it's a, the countdown is on, eight weeks, eight weeks to go. Looking forward to it, looking forward to getting out and follow and supporting following the girls in green. But until then, I'm really excited for the next couple of weeks, especially that Piedmont and Shelburne game on Saturday week. I think that's that that could have a massive say in the women in the women's Premier Division this year. And 
you know, a couple of rounds of games to go. Let's enjoy them and let's hope people get out and watch them. Well, speaking of green, uh, the green and mist is coming down around the jealousy uh, as you planned your <laughs> trip down under for later in the summer. And we'll talk to you again next week. To everyone else, uh, thanks for joining us. We'll be back to you next week on the show.